Hello, I'm Hilary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. This episode of Cybercrime Radio is brought to you by eCentire, the authority in managed detection and response. Joining me today is Spence Hutchinson, Senior Threat Researcher at eCentire. Hey, Spence, great to be speaking with you again. Hey, great to be here. So, for today, I want to talk to you about a couple of things, but specifically, eCentire recently published an EMEA threat research report titled Notorious Russian Gang and Affiliates Increase Ransomware Attacks Against Europe. So to get things started and kind of provide more context for that report, can you give us some background into who Conti is and how Conti has evolved? Yeah, so Conti's history goes back to February of 2020. That's when they were first observed and started to conduct their attacks. And Conti's main operators are believed to be based in Russia. Uh, so Conti uses the, or used, I should say now, the double extortion technique. So that's where data is encrypted and it's stolen and then published on a data leak site where it's used as an extortion tactic if victims decide not to pay. Conti also uses the ransomware as a service model. So that's where they pay affiliates or other attackers a portion of the ransom to conduct certain parts of the attack. And Connie's strategy was to hit as many targets as possible and then rely on affiliates to sort of scale out those attacks. So in return, Connie would have less of a cut of the ransom, but they could ultimately hit more targets. Now, prior to this year, Conti was, I would say, one of the most prolific ransomware groups, just looking at the victim count alone. So we see over 500 victims listed on their leak site in 2021, and that's up from about 150 the year before. And in the current year, they only have listed 175 victims, but they were on track to likely match their success in the first half of this year. Now, they, of course, were suddenly ceased their operations in early 2022. And as it turns out, the top Connie operators were supposedly keeping most of those profits, which led at least one affiliate to leak some internal documents back in August of 2021. And then in early of this year, at the start of the Russia-Ukraine war, Conti publicly announced its support for the Russian government. And it's believed that this statement motivated a Ukrainian security researcher who had access to their systems to leak some internal chat logs and documents used by Conti and their affiliates. And that leak really revealed a lot about Conti's internal operations. And it really turns out that they operated much like a regular business. They had various departments for recruitment, HR, research and development, as well as IT support and staff. And they used industry standard tools for project tracking and even had playbooks for structuring their attacks. And that organization is what enabled them really to scale out those attacks and become such a threat over the course of only a couple of years. Now, following those leaks earlier this year, they did announce that they would be shutting down their operations by May and June. And they ended up hitting a few more high profile targets like the government of Costa Rica before they ultimately shut down their infrastructure. Interesting. And, and you mentioned their affiliates. And so I know in this report, eCentire's threat response unit, True, focuses on two specific Conti affiliate groups, Black Byte and Black Basta. So Spence, can you speak to who these affiliates are and how they have merged on the ransomware scene? So like we said in the report, we theorize that the top Conti operators did not simply go away. We theorize they joined up with affiliates like Black Basta and Black Byte. Now, Black Basta emerged around the same time Conti shut down their operations in June of this year, 
And Blackbuster relies on malware like Quackbot for initial access into victim networks and is also suspected to purchase access to networks from the dark web. Blackbyte, they emerged a year ago, so in July of 2021, and they gained a lot of notoriety for hitting the San Francisco 49ers in February of this year. Now, we look at the at victim numbers this year alone, Blackbasta has been the more successful of the two, but both of these groups run leak sites and both of them share similarities in terms of TTPs with Conti. Okay. And between the end of February 2022 and mid-July 2022, True tracked 81 victim organizations listed on the Black Bite and Blackbasta data leak sites. Where are these victims based, Spence, and which industries were targeted? So 41% of those 81 organizations that Blackbasta and Blackbyte claim as victims are based in Europe. And the other 59% are primarily located in the U.S. And of the victim organizations, the U.S.-based victims include really every type of business from manufacturing, retail, construction, legal, business services, et cetera. And the European-based victim organizations are in the critical infrastructure segments, and that includes transportation, energy, government facilities, pharmaceuticals, food, and education. Okay, thank you for clarifying. And the report goes into detail on several of the newsworthy ransomware attacks by Black Boston, Black Bite, and, and you, know, you already mentioned a couple of those, and of course, the subsequent damage that they have caused. I guess, can you speak to a few other notable attacks from each affiliate group? Starting with Black Basta, they hit a leading global provider of maintenance services for wind turbine technologies in April this year. And that company stated that they had to stop monitoring their customers' wind turbines for several days before they slowly brought their systems back online. Another Black Basta victim was a company called Logotog, which is a Danish railroad company that operates six local railways in Denmark. And fortunately, their train systems were not impacted, but Black Basta ended up publishing internal data on company salaries, technical safety information, and details about on-track incidents. Now, as for Blackbyte, easily the most high-profile attack to date was against the San Francisco 49ers, and this occurred in February of this year. And Blackbyte ended up releasing a teaser of data for free on their league site, and that included invoices for the football organization. And then later in September, the team's management began notifying around 21,000 people that their personal information, which included social security numbers, had actually been accessed and potentially stolen by Blackbyte during the attack. Oh, wow. So I guess following up on the previous question, how does this inform now how we think about ransomware attacks next year and going forward? What trends are you seeing and what do you think we should be prepared for? So let me follow up on that point I just made about the personal data stolen by Blackbyte in the San Francisco 49ers case. Data theft is a major focus of ransomware attacks in recent years, and that data is monetized by extorting its secrecy. So that is demanding payment for not publishing that information. Victims are, of course, banking on cyber criminals ultimately to delete that data once payment is received. And reputation is actually kind of important to these ransomware groups because if they take payment, then leak the data anyway, nobody's going to pay. So I don't doubt for a second that they're actually deleting the data. I suspect these groups will look to double dip and monetize that data again or use it in future attacks and or fraud. 
I think it's important that victims of ransomware attacks get an accounting of what was stolen and take the necessary precautions to ward off future fraud or future use of that information in, let's say, social engineering attacks, et cetera. Now, the rise of ransomware attacks, if we look kind of going back to the past four to five years and where things are trending, really they've boosted investment in cybersecurity because it's become sort of this one of the biggest threats that we face over that time. And unfortunately, I think extortion groups have adapted to those changes. So for example, organizations have gotten better at recovering from data encryption attacks by keeping their data offline or keeping offline backups of files. And ransomware groups have sort of pivoted and started to extort victims using their stolen data, like the case with San Francisco 49ers we just talked about. And that's something that you, you can't recover once it leaves the network. I think we'll continue to see more agile attacks focused more so on data theft over data encryption. There's just less work involved, and you can sort of bring in more low-skilled actors to conduct that part of the attack. A great example of this is the Lapsus group. So while they weren't a well organized ransomware group like Conti, they proved how much damage could be done to some pretty major companies with limited access to their networks in certain cases. There's also a lot of focus on the cybercrime ecosystem, in the cybercrime ecosystem, I should say, on supplying network access to ransomware groups. And that's sort of a trend that's been building over the last several years. And I'm referring to things like initial access brokers, fraud shops, selling stolen credentials, you know, malware authors, intrusion actors. I honestly don't see that changing anytime soon unless the demand for or the success of ransomware attacks diminishes. Now, another trend I think is going to continue to grow is the role of information stealing malware in ransomware attacks, especially when it comes to bypassing multi-factor authentication. So info stealers are essentially malware focused on stealing various data off an infected system. So that data includes login credentials, and tokens for active sessions. So if an employee laptop is compromised, they could hijack existing sessions to get access to things like Slack or email, or even worse, perhaps single sign-on portals. And that data is sold on various fraud shops, sometimes for as low as like $10. So if I bought access to that bot, I could use that to pivot to those services that I talked about. And the risk here isn't just with your systems getting infected by an info stealer. We have seen you know, instances where a third party or contractor system is compromised or an employee's personal device, and authentication data for your network can still be found there, and you don't have much say in protecting those devices. Again, to use the Lapsus example, they hit Okta using a third party contractor's machine that was infected with malware. In the more recent Uber incident, it's suspected that they gained access through malware on an employee's personal machine where that employee had logged into Uber's systems. So really just to summarize this point, a ransomware actor could purchase access to a bot and then use that access to elevate their position in the network and then conduct their ransomware attack. And there are plenty of compromised systems for sale on the dark web. There's really just so many holes to try and plug, even some that are outside of your control. And we tend to promote detection and response simply because you cannot achieve 100% prevention in every case. That's the perfect segue into my next question for you, Spence, since there are so many holes to plug and you just kind of laid out what's ahead for us with ransomware in, in the coming year and beyond. So what are your recommendations on how organizations can protect against this cyber threat of ransomware? Number one, increase your resilience to the ransomware precursor threats. So Ransomware, including the ones I talked about, 
thus far, they tend to start off as opportunistic attacks. That's things like malware infections, unpatched vulnerabilities, or compromised credentials, even those like purchased on some of the fraud shops I mentioned. So to increase your resilience, we recommend protecting your endpoints using a reputable endpoint detection and response product. Vulnerability management, of course, is important here, and exposed systems need to be patched quickly, depending on you know the vulnerability. But certainly, don't neglect your internal systems. And most attacks that we intercept utilize social engineering in some way. So a good phishing and security awareness program will certainly go a long way there to increase your overall resilience to social engineering attacks. Now, what happens when an attacker gets a foothold, despite some of your best efforts? Uh, you know, we have to acknowledge we simply can't stop everything, and we need to position ourselves to identify intrusions and prevent the attacker from achieving their objectives. Visibility is king here, and you want to make sure that you have endpoint coverage across all of your assets. So that includes important servers like your email servers and domain controllers. We do see in certain instances that where our customers haven't fully deployed us to critical servers like this because there's a belief that we might interrupt the delivery or the functionality of those systems. That is simply not the case. Those systems ultimately are high value targets for an attacker inside your network. So we want to make sure that we have visibility there. It's also important that you ingest logs from your network appliances, especially VPN appliances, as well as cloud services. Even if you're not using that telemetry for detection, just having the logs centralized will expedite investigation efforts and reduce the time to scope out an active intrusion. And then finally, we think about the unfortunate scenario of a successful ransomware attack. A backup and recovery strategy will be key here. And ideally, you have protected backups and a plan for these situations. The other concern here is kicking the adversary out of your network and identifying stolen data. So the strategies and the telemetry sources I mentioned already will assist here. I would also recommend being ready to engage a digital forensics and incident response provider to assist with that cleanup. Excellent. And my final question for you, Spence, is how is East Entire's threat response unit continuing to respond to ransomware groups? Yeah, so the threat response unit, or TRUE, it's comprised of a team of threat researchers who proactively hunt advanced and undetected threats as a means of continuously improving our managed detection and response expertise really to help our global customer base stay ahead of attackers. So TRUE combines our threat intelligence that we obtain from research and security incidents to create practical security outcomes that enable us to effectively respond to attacks. Now, if I were to break this down, it starts with tactical response. So in the event of an attack, our security teams are engaged to intercept hands-on attackers and then remove them from the environment before they can disrupt business operations. Next, we have our operational response. True will enumerate the adversary's infrastructure, their tactics, and other artifacts, and then weaponize that data through our indicator hunts, novel detection content, and our response playbooks. And finally, we have strategic response. So that involves sort of long-term tracking of threat actor capabilities as the threat landscape evolves. So we continuously develop new threat detection content and intelligence products to the SOC and the cybersecurity community as a whole. Our detection content is supported by investigation runbooks. That's going to ensure that our SOC or security operations center analysts respond rapidly to any intrusion attempts related to known malware TTPs. And TRUE is closely monitoring the threat landscape, sort of constantly addressing capability gaps and conducting retroactive threat hunts to assess our customers' impact. 
Excellent. Well, it's always great catching up with you, Spence. It's always so fascinating to learn about what you and the True Team are working on and to hear more about reports that eCentire are, are putting out. So I appreciate you for coming on and I'm looking forward to next time. Thanks for having me. I'm Hillary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining us today was Spence Hutchinson, Senior Threat Researcher at eCentire. Today's episode was brought to you by eCentire, the authority in managed detection and response. eCentire's mission is to hunt, investigate, and stop cyber threats before they become business disrupting events. Combining cutting edge machine learning XDR platform technology, 24 7 threat hunting, and proven security operations leadership, eCentire mitigates business risk and enables security at scale for over 1,000 organizations globally. To learn more about our sponsor, visit eCentire.com.